If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 17 and 18, and then back up to verses 6 to 12. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, and then 6 to 12. Let's ask God to guide us. Father, we come to your inspired and errant word. We come to it asking that you would do something significant in and through our hearts, in and through our heads, in and through our lives. We ask, Father, that you would take your word and you would give us encouragement, that you would give us focus on how we ought to respond to COVID-19, how we ought to respond to you, how we can utilize this suffering for kingdom purposes in our lives and in the lives of the world. Guide us, we ask, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Robert Reed makes this statement. I have everything I need for joy. My life is filled with joy. Now you might say, well, that sounds interesting. Is he at Disney? Is he on the beach? Is he on vacation? He's talking about a time probably pre-COVID-19, right? He says, I have everything I need for joy. Yet Robert Reed has arms that do not work. He has twisted arms and legs that will not hold his weight. He can't comb his hair, brush his teeth. He can't put on his clothes. His shirts are held together by Velcro. He has a voice that sounds like an old cassette tape. I'm sorry, kids, you don't know what that is. But an old cassette tape that just kind of screeches. And yet that didn't keep Robert from graduating from high school. It didn't keep Robert from graduating from Abilene Christian College with a degree in Latin. It didn't keep Robert from a half a dozen mission trips to various parts of the world to tell people about Jesus. It didn't keep Robert from eventually in 1972 on his own moving to Lisbon, Portugal to become a full-time missionary. He found a man who owned a restaurant who would feed him late after night after the crowds went home. He found a, an individual who would teach him Portuguese. Each day he would be brought to a park and he would tell people who would pass by about Jesus. And in a six-year period, Robert was used by God to lead 70, 70, 70 people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Many of those he then discipled in Christ. One of those he led to Christ was Rosa, who eventually became his wife. Robert says, I have everything I need for joy. His shirts are held together by Velcro. His life is held together by Christ. As I think about COVID-19, I've got to ask myself, am I like Robert? Do I see what God has done, is doing, will do? Do I have confidence in God? Am I thankful or am I bitter? Am I angry? My vacation's gone. My freedom is gone. For some, 
we're not even sure exactly how to pay our bills. And yet I think of Robert. He could be bitter. He could be angry. He could rail against God. He could say, you didn't give me a fair shake. I was born with cerebral palsy. This was not fair. This is what, what I should have had. I didn't sign up for this. Instead, he says, I have everything I need for joy. He has confidence in God. He has joy in God. He's being used by God. And it's a choice. He chooses joy. Hear those words. He chooses joy. I've got a choice. I don't have a choice about what's happening. I don't have a choice about COVID-19. I don't have a choice about cocooning and social distancing. But I have a choice of whether I will choose joy. You have a choice. Will you choose joy? Robert chooses joy. I don't want to underestimate what COVID-19 is doing. I know there's a lot of legitimate fear, worry, anxiety. I'm not going to be saying that you and I should not have some fear, some anxiety and worry. Somebody else might say that. I don't believe it. I think that's nonsense. I think we will have legitimate fear and worry and anxiety, but how we package it, what we do with it, who we carry it to, who we leave it with, makes all the difference in the world. I know in the last few weeks, some in the service industries have lost their jobs. And my heart goes out to you. I know in the last few weeks, some of you who are living on retirement income have seen that income shrink by a third, and my heart goes out to you. I know that in the last few weeks, some of you have had difficulty sleeping at night, and my heart goes out to you. I know that some of you in your working years have had what you thought was a wise, careful nest egg for retirement shrink by a third, and my heart goes out to you. And I think of some of you who are teens and kids. You're at home, and, and right now your parents are cocooning you. You feel invincible. You feel like you could take a bullet. This is an invisible disease and you don't understand why mom and dad are not allowing you out. And there's tension in the home, and my heart goes out to you. But know this. The parents are doing what is right. They're doing what is wise. They're doing what is best for you. Cut them a little slack. I know some of you teens are, are angry. Not only has your social life been cut off, but... Let's be honest, the spring sports are gone. The spring arts have been put on hold. Even some big events in the future are a little less certain than they once were. I get the anger. I get the feelings of bitterness. But all of us still have a choice. We have a choice to allow COVID-19 to sink into our bones, to drive us to fear, to drive us to anxiety, to drive us to worry, 
or we can choose in the midst of fear and anger and worry, we can choose joy, we can choose Christ. We can focus on Christ, point to Christ, depend on Christ. We have a choice. We have a choice when we go on social media. Are we going to join the many who have railed against what's happening or expressed all sorts of anger or fear, or are we going to point to Jesus? On Twitter and Snapchat, are we going to point to Jesus? We have a choice. I want to pick up in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Paul says this, For our light and momentary affliction, don't be put off by those words, listen to them, for our light and momentary affliction is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That is, don't focus on the here and now. Focus on what's to come. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, I suspect that the fact that I used a text that said that this is a light and momentary affliction could cause some of you to be insulted. Don't be. Listen carefully. First, I want you to know that I do believe that as a nation, as a world, we're going to get through this. I think the best days for central Wisconsin are still ahead. I think the best days for the United States are still ahead. I think the best days for our world can still be ahead. I believe that, and I hope you do. When Paul says the light and momentary affliction, what he's saying is this. Everything here on earth passes away. Even the trials we have here on earth, they pass away. They're fixed. Our God is able. He is bigger than COVID-19. He can bring it to an end. I believe he will. When he's saying our light and momentary affliction... He wants us to think not just about our temporal situation right now. He wants us to think about all of eternity. He wants us to think about God and our relationship with God for all of eternity. He's not making fun of affliction. Paul is living in a day and age where the boot of Rome is on the throat of the Jewish nation. They've been in control. Rome has been in control for 100 years at this point. They'll be in control for 300 more years. There's 400 years. Paul still says it's a light and momentary affliction because his eyes is not just on what is now. It's on what will come. He has a relationship with the living God. And if you have a relationship with the living God, he doesn't want you, me, us, only to focus on the here and now. He wants us to focus on that relationship and what it will bring. And maybe you don't have that relationship. I want to tell you about my Jesus. My Jesus saw you, me, us, in the midst of our sin. Sin is any attitude action, thought, motive, even an inactivity that is outside the will of God. And our sin keeps us from a holy God. 
but Jesus. But Jesus, who saw us in our sin, went to the cross. He came down to earth, fully God, took on human flesh, never sinned, and then paid the penalty of sin, which is death. He went to the cross. And he who knew no sin took on our sin, was covered with our sin, paid the penalty of sin, which is death, then conquered death by rising again, and he offers eternal life to everyone who believes in Christ. That's my Jesus. And my Jesus wants you, me, us, to believe in Jesus, to rest in Jesus, to focus on Jesus, to point others to Jesus. COVID-19 is here. I think it's going to get conquered. I think the best days are still ahead. But I don't want to miss the lesson that I've got to stop looking so much at what is around me and I've got to start looking more at what is in front of me eternally. I love the way Jesus put it in John 14. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way. And you remember Thomas. Gotta love Thomas. Thomas says, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's in faith in Jesus by which we are saved, by which we are forgiven, by which we are given eternal life. I'm not ignoring COVID-19. It's put a lot of hurt and pain and worry in our lives. But I've got to stop just looking around temporally and i got to remember that I'm a child of the King not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me when he paid the penalty of my sin. And he says to me, he says to you, let not your heart be troubled. Don't just focus on the here and now. Focus on the afterlife. Focus on Jesus. Point to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. And if you do, you've got an eternity that is beyond imagination. Let me tell you about that eternity. It's in Revelation 21, 1 to 4. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I love that detail. The sea was no more. What's happening right now? Social distancing, cocooning. Almost every nation in the industrialized world has now closed its borders. States are closing their borders. Counties are closing their borders. Seas divide. When we get to heaven, when we get to the new Jerusalem, there will be no sea. There will be no division. There will be no borders. People from every tribe and tongue and people and nation will gather together. No cocooning. No social distancing. We will be able to rejoice together. And John continues. 
And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. I love that too. I've had the privilege of doing a number of weddings. The doors swing wide open. The canon D is playing. She glides down, a veil behind her, beautiful white dress, a gleam in her eye. And then there's this poor guy up front. He knows he is out of his league. He's shaking. He doesn't know if he's going to throw up or pass out. He's, his eyes are huge. He cannot believe it. This is his bride. It is the crowning moment. And John says, that's what every moment is like in heaven. Every moment. And he goes on and he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. Those former things, they've all passed away. I want to remember that. That's why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Sure, we look out at COVID-19. Sure, there's anxiety and worry and hurt. But my focus is on Jesus. My focus must be on Jesus. and must not be on temporality, but it must be on eternality. I've got a home with Jesus. Now, I believe that Jesus is going to defeat COVID-19. I have confidence. The best days for central Wisconsin are still ahead. I believe that. But I don't want to lose the fact that my greatest joy is not here. It's there. My confidence is not ultimately here. It's there. My confidence is not ultimately in what we can do. It's in what God has done and will do. That's focusing on Jesus, pointing to Jesus, and trusting in Jesus. I love what Paul writes. I'm going to read it to us in verses 6 to 12. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. We're coming back to that. Because that's what we need to do. Let light shine out of darkness. And it is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're the earthen vessels, by the way. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Listen to verses 8 and 9. Oh my. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed, Christ follower. We are perplexed, but not in despair, Christ follower. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, Christ follower. We are struck down, but not destroyed, Christ follower. Always caring about, verse 10, in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that with the result that... The life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. That is, Christ lives in and through us, and people see us, they see Christ. 
For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so that death is working in us, but life in you. I can't tell you how much I want verse 6 to be a reality in my life, to be a reality in your life. Let light shine in the darkness. COVID-19 is darkness, and in the midst of it, we want to shine. We need to shine. We must shine the light of Jesus. This impacts what we say to people. This impacts what we put on Facebook. This impacts what goes on in Twitter. This impacts how we interact with those who are filled with fear and anger and dismay. We want light, the light of Jesus, to penetrate the darkness. A few days ago, a young adult at Highland emailed me or messaged me or Facebook. He did something. I don't remember what. And he said, Jeff, in the midst of COVID-19, how can I turn the conversation to Jesus? How can I essentially be light in the darkness? It warmed my heart. And so I did what any research pastor would do. I turned to my coworkers and I said, hey, give me your best. What? What statements might we make that would allow us to shine light in darkness? These are a few of them. How are you handling all that is going wrong right now? What's your go-to strategy? And then really listen. What is your go-to strategy? And, and hear their hearts. And maybe they'll say, hey, hey, Jeff, what's your go-to strategy? And I can say, you know, I'd love to tell you I have no fear. I'd love to tell you I have no worry. I'd love to tell you there's no anxiety. That's, that's not true. But I can tell you how I'm getting through this. How I can choose joy. It's because of Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? Or maybe this one. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being fear and 10 being faith, where do you find yourself? And then earnestly listen. Maybe you'll have the opportunity to pray with that person. Maybe they'll say, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? And I'll say, well, a 7. I wish I were a Bo Derek 10, but I'm a 7. I'm a 7. I am. I am. But, but I'm moving towards an 8. Or maybe somebody is just afraid and, and you say right straight up for, to them, you know, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to have hope. I want you to have confidence. Can I tell you where I get hope? Can I tell you where I get confidence? And then we can testify to Jesus. Or maybe we can say this. How do you deal with anxiety in the midst of COVID-19? Or COVID-19 is scary, isn't it? I'm thankful that while I don't know everything that's going on, I know the one who controls it all. Can I tell him about, or can I tell you about him? These are ways to start a conversation about Jesus. Or maybe can, we can say, when what you have depended upon for security is a little less secure right now, where are you getting your ultimate hope, your ultimate confidence? And then listen. And maybe they'll say, hey, where are you getting your ultimate confidence? And you and I can testify to Jesus. Or we can say, hey, things are sure crazy right now. <laughs> can I share with you where I go for peace? 
There's so many ways to shine light in the midst of darkness. Or how about this one? If there's one thing we're learning, it's that our security is not as secure as we once thought. I want to tell you about my security in Jesus. These are ways to shine light in the midst of darkness. Nobody wants suffering. Nobody. But in the midst of suffering, the Bible tells us that God, who didn't cause the suffering, God can still work good out of it. I was asked a little while ago by somebody, they were very sincere. They said, Jeff, do you think COVID-19 is a plague that God is sending against humanity? I think the look on my face answered that question. I do not. I don't. You may, I don't. Where did COVID-19 come from? You can read, there's lots of theories. I don't think it came from God. I don't. But God is capable of using the evil from the evil one for his purposes, for his good. Don't waste this suffering. Don't waste it, Christ follower. This should be the church's finest hour. This should be a moment of your greatest growth. Choose joy. Choose Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Point others to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. This is a time to step back and say, I need to pray more. I need to pray for my nation. I need to pray for unbelievers. God may use this time in a hardened heart to soften the heart. You may have a friend or relative who's been hardened to Jesus and right now they're not. This may be a time when someone who used to walk with Jesus but is walking as fast as they can away from Jesus, this might be a time that God pulls them back. This might be a time when you and I reevaluate and say, have we allowed the busyness of life to push the things of God further and further and further from us? Have we been enveloped by busyness and now I'm cocooning, now I'm social distancing, and one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to choose Jesus, I'm going to focus on Jesus, I'm going to point people to Jesus. I'm going to be more prayerful, I'm going to be more in the Word, and I'm going to get back in my relationship with Jesus. A day is coming when COVID-19 ends. I can't wait for that day. I want that day. I'm praying for that day with one caveat. I want to remember how dependent I am on Jesus, how prayerful I need to be to Jesus, how I allow the busyness of life to push out Jesus. And when life gets back to normal, I want to still use the suffering, the evil, for something good in my life. That's what God wants in my life. It's what he wants in your life. I think sometimes we're Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, aren't we? In the Tower of Babel, we are self-sufficient. We think we can build it with our ingenuity. We can create it. We can control it. And suddenly we're finding out we can not. 
And I want to remember that. And I want to be dependent on Jesus. Or in verse 7, I want to remember that God is all-powerful. We are not. That the excellence of the power that belongs to God, it doesn't belong to us. I want to remember that my ultimate confidence is not in wealth. It's not in the stock market. It's not in government. It's not in first responders. It's not in the medical community. I am so thankful for all of them. I'm so thankful. Those of you who are serving in the medical community as first responders in government, I am so thankful for you. Thank you for the sacrifices you are making for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I've got great confidence in you. And I believe God is going to use you. He is using you. He will use you. And we will conquer COVID-19. But my ultimate confidence isn't in any of you. As great a work as you are doing. My ultimate confidence is in Jesus. I love verses 8 and 9. I want to read them again. We are hard pressed on every side. Yet not crushed, Christ follower. We are perplexed, but not in despair, Christ follower. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, Christ follower. We are struck down, but not destroyed, Christ follower. And then what it says, always caring about in the body of the dying of our Lord Jesus, so that with the result that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. What does that mean? That means that we ought to walk around and people ought to see Jesus oozing from us. They ought to hear Jesus oozing from us. In our conversations, we have the manifestation of Christ in us and we're going to point people to Jesus. We're not going to get caught up in all the bitterness and the anger and the verbal warning. We are worrying. We are anxiety-filled. But that doesn't drive us. We're pointing to Jesus. We're looking at Jesus. We're believing in Jesus. We're going to ooze Jesus. We're going to ooze Scripture. We're going to remind people that we will mount up like wings of eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint. Because God, because of God, through God, we have our focus on God. That's what's going to happen. Right now we suffer. Don't waste the suffering. God didn't cause it, but God can use it. He can use it to bring a hardened heart back to him. He can use it to cause us to choose joy. He can use it to bring someone who is wayward back to himself, who've been walking away. He can use it to cause me to say, you know, I've allowed the busyness of life to overwhelm me. And I push the things of God as secondary or tertiary. But no more. He will be the focus. When this ends, he will be the focus. Don't waste the suffering. I remember a number of years ago, I was in a weightlifting group. We called ourselves dunamis. It's the Greek word for power. I know you can tell from this chiseled body that I was in a weightlifting group. 
I'm thankful that this is on camera and I'm not watching a few of you snicker. It would hurt my feelings. And we would walk around with shirts, muscle shirts, naturally, that had dunamis in the front and no pain, no gain on the back. What did it mean? It means that unless we did the reps and we broke out in a sweat and we got a little smelly, unless we did the work, unless we went through the pain, there would be no gain. And I've got to tell you, the Bible says that's often true in our lives. That sometimes suffering, even if not caused by God, is used by God. That pain brings spiritual gain if we allow it, if we choose joy, if we point to Jesus, we focus on Jesus, we believe in Jesus. If we stop with the busyness of life and cocoon with Jesus, if we spend time in prayer with Jesus. There was a sculptor about 150 years ago he had a piece of granite, and he started chiseling away, and he was chiseling the likeness of General Robert E. Lee. I know, not politically correct to mention Robert E. Lee. It's not about him. It's about the sculptor. And he chiseled, and he chiseled, and he chiseled a massive work. And when he was done, those who knew Robert E. Lee, they were amazed and said, the likeness is incredible. How did you do it? And he said, oh, that was simple. Every piece of rock that didn't look like Robert E. Lee, I chiseled away. Isn't that what verse 10 says? We carry about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that with the result that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal bodies, we ooze out Jesus. Sometimes we need suffering to make us more like Jesus. Don't waste the suffering. We don't want the suffering. We're praying against the suffering. I believe God will end the suffering. I'm praying for that end. But don't waste what he does in the midst of the suffering. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation or trial. It's the same Greek word. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted or tempted beyond what you can endure. But with the testing, he will provide a way of escape. I'm praying for that way. That you may be able to bear it up. Friends, we're not making light of COVID-19. It's causing anxiety. It's causing worry. It's causing fear. It's impacting lives in ways that I grieve. And people have died and people are sick. And people are worried. I'm not minimizing that. But remember, it's a light momentary affliction compared to eternity. And remember that in the midst of suffering, God, who didn't cause the suffering, can use it to chisel us so that we ooze Jesus. So that we choose joy. So that we become more prayerful for our nation, for revival. So we pray for the one whose heart has been hardened, that her or his heart is soft. We pray for the one who has wandered from the faith, 
that they are drawn back by Jesus. We pray that we keep our eyes not just on the temporality, but on eternality. Let not your heart be troubled. And we remember that we have sometimes allowed the busyness of life to push the things of God out, but no more. We will trust in Jesus. We will point people to Jesus. We will believe in Jesus. Allow me to pray for each of us. Father God, I desperately, desperately ask that COVID-19 soon peak and subside. I thank you for the medical and research communities, the first responders, individuals who are in this fight in the trenches. Give them strength, protect them. I pray for those who are touched globally and nationally by COVID-19, maybe actually have acquired it or are grieving because of a lost one or have lost a job or are temporarily on hold, unsure of how to pay bills. I pray for our president, our Congress, and leaders across the globe that they would choose wisely and well for us. I pray, Father, that we would be focused on together defeating COVID-19, maybe even utilizing countries with countries and political parties with political parties to bring unity. And I pray that the gospel would go forth. And I pray that we would choose joy and that we would be prayerful that there would be revival, that we wouldn't waste the suffering, but allow it to evaluate our walk with you, and that the wayward would return, the hardened would be softened, and that you would be glorified. I pray for those who are isolated, that you would be closer than that brother, and that you would comfort. I pray, Father, for those who are sick, that they would recover. I pray for those who are overworked and weary. And there's a lot of them in the medical and first responder, National Guard, leaders. Give strength. Father, give revival. Individually in us, in our nation, and in our world. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.